Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you could tell as you read Genesis 40, as we read it together, that this chapter is showing us exactly what Genesis 39, verses 21 and 23 mean when, it, when they say that the Lord, and the reference there is to the covenant God, that he was with Joseph when he was in prison. We see that not only was Joseph given the privilege of attending the king's cupbearer and the king's baker, but Joseph was also able to interpret their dreams. Like Daniel, Daniel many years later, Joseph also is called to be a wise man, a spokesman for his heavenly father, and so the light of, of God's presence, his revelation, filled the darkness of the pit. And as we read Genesis 40 today, we can see how God showed his sovereign power by sending the dreams, his gracious love to Joseph in prison by coming down beside him in the pit. We see that in the second point. And also his infinite wisdom in deciding not to let Joseph walk through an open door that he may have been expecting. I preached you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. The dreams in Joseph's pit reveal that God can open the door to deliverance. And Genesis 40 shows us that God can open the door between nobility and slaves. He can come through the door to prisoners and he can close the door until his time is right. It's important to understand that before the revelation of God's will was recorded in the canonical books of, of the Bible, the Bible that you hold in your hand, the Lord used different means to reveal who he was and how he was to be worshipped. And that is why the patriarchs heard the Lord sometimes speaking directly to him, to them, why they received visions and dreams and even visits, like we see in Genesis 18. And although there were probably written records of all these moments of special revelation that were later edited by Moses, Joseph was very aware that God could also speak to his family through dreams. He himself had received dreams recently. You can see that in Genesis 37. And so when he heard that both the cupbearer and the baker received a similarly disturbing dream in the same night, he immediately recognized that this was the handiwork of God, his God. The same God who could enter into the minds of two sleeping prisoners was the God who could move Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and baker and put them there beside Joseph in the pit. Joseph knew the power of his God who had breached palace security. And he says to the men, verse 8, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell your dreams to me. Although the Lord had not spoken directly to Joseph, Joseph could see that the Lord was still actively working around him. Joseph could see 
the power of God. And the first thing that our text draws our attention to is how God brought Joseph into contact with such high officials in Pharaoh's kingdom. You can see verse 2 that they use the word officers. These weren't mere lowly slaves dragged off the streets, but we're talking here about nobility. They were perhaps some of the most privileged nobility in all the land of Egypt. And if there were newspapers or news papyri in those days, then their imprisonment could have made the headlines. The sovereign Lord had arranged all things so that that door between the high nobility in Egypt and the slave Joseph was opened. Genesis 40 tells us about a, a lowly, imprisoned foreign slave who had been rejected by his own brothers, now appointed to serve and help the very men who walked in the courts of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And humanly speaking, it was a, a very unlikely meeting. You think it's unlikely for you to have a, a conversation with, with the prime minister? This is a very unlikely meeting, a once-in-a-lifetime a opportunity. But we see how God made it so that this meeting could happen. You read in Genesis 39, verse 1, that God made it that Joseph was sold as a slave to the captain of the guard. The captain of the guard is also the place where the prison was located. And so when Joseph went into this captain of the guard's prison, he was there promoted by the prison keeper. We see that also in the end of Genesis 39. And appointed by the captain of the guard to watch over the cupbearer and the baker. To care for high nobility. And by opening this door between a, a Hebrew slave and, and high nobility, the Lord was granting Joseph a golden opportunity to get out of the pit. What an opportunity. What a chance. And as the Holy Spirit continues to describe what happens and we continue to read, all of a sudden we get the sense that perhaps we were giving credit to the strength and the privilege of the wrong people. You see, as we're reading and, and we were thinking, wow, look at this opportunity for Joseph to be there among this high nobility of Pharaoh's court, it turns out that it's exactly the opposite. Joseph is the only person in the prison, and possibly in all of Egypt, who is able to interpret the dreams. And although they were high officials and Joseph was only a lowly slave, Joseph had a relationship with the sovereign God who had sent the dreams, who had entered into their minds, who had shown them these things. Joseph was able to explain the meaning of the dreams. The cupbearer, whose dream shows him to be a servant who loves his king, who loves to serve the king with prompt service, talks about him making some uh, grape juice, the freshest grape juice possible. And he was delivered right into the hand of Pharaoh, or right into the hand of the king. He finds out that 
In three days, he would be able to live to celebrate the king's birthday. The baker, however, hears that he wouldn't be able to sing happy birthday to Pharaoh because in three days' time, he would be rescued but only to be hung for his crimes. Joseph recognized the hand of the Lord. Joseph knew his sovereign God. Joseph recognized that he was an office bearer of the Lord, and he fearlessly declares what the Lord says, both the positive and the negative. And the dreams are fulfilled exactly as they were spoken. And then we see that in this relationship between Pharaoh's nobility and God's children, it was Joseph who had the advantage because God was on Joseph's side. Goliath was the underdog, not David. And so in a great reversal of roles and positions, the Lord reveals that the separation that Joseph had maintained, that antithesis, we looked at a little more last week, that, that separation that God had maintained between his children and, and the world, it put his people in a, in a more advantageous position. Now in our day, God does not still ordinarily use dreams and their interpretation to speak to us. But he has given us the Holy Scriptures, the Scriptures which are authoritative for your life. They are sufficient for salvation. Social standing, intellectual ability, or position in the eyes of the world will not make you wise. But understanding this word and living according to it will. We sang that in Psalm 119, stanzas 37 and 39. God's law makes us wiser than our enemies and even our older teachers. 1 Corinthians 1 says the same, shows us that the cross of Christ reveals the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The next chapter that we'll read this afternoon, 1 Corinthians 2, tells us that those who believe in the Lord receive His Spirit so that we may understand the things freely given us by God. That connection to the Lord, the sovereign God, that understanding of his word and his revelation is a rich blessing for God's people. Gives them a special place in society. We may be confident in the gracious love of our God. And we today know more than Joseph. We today know the sovereign Lord sent his son Jesus Christ. We know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is the same who gave his own life for his sheep, whoever believes in him. So brothers and sisters, we can be confident in the wisdom that comes from God as he reveals himself to us in the world. Because when you know the word, you know the truth. You have something to contribute to society. As you read your word, his word, you also see how his word and his presence comforts you in this life. You see that the Lord also can come through the door 
to the prisoners. Joseph, the slave, had the advantage over the Egyptian nobility because he knew that the sovereign Lord was backing him up, that the sovereign Lord was holding him. However, we should not think that Joseph was living a comfortable life in club fed, in, in custody. Psalm 105, verses 18 to 19, we also sang that. It summarizes this chapter to say, His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. You can picture that, what's being explained in Psalm 105, a, a collar of iron and your feet in the metal clamps. That's what Joseph was experiencing in prison. And whether or not Joseph was serving the other prisoners while he was still wearing these fetters and, and this collar, he makes it clear that he does not want to stay there. He doesn't find it a, a very comfortable way to live. That promotion that allowed him to serve his fellow prisoners did not make the pit under Potiphar's house any more comfortable. And when we compare Joseph's experience there in the pit with what the law of the Lord has revealed in the Old Testament, we can really see the wisdom and the justice of God's law and how much Joseph was missing because he was being imprisoned in a pagan country. Joseph wanted to let Pharaoh know that he was innocent of any crimes. As he explained to the cupbearer in verse 15, he was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And then he, that he had done nothing wrong to deserve the punishment of the pit. Although God's law called for partiality and sentencing based on the testimony of, of two witnesses and or sufficient evidence, Joseph had been unjustly condemned based on the evidence of a coat and a lying wife who had managed to rile up the anger of her husband. Although God's law teaches the need for quick justice, the death penalty for serious crimes, a period of time living in a city of refuge with your family for an unintentional murder, physical punishment, with a goal of reintegration and restoration to the community for less serious crimes, Joseph was spent, uh, sent to spend many years in the shame and the humiliation of incarceration in a pit. And as we see the principles of justice that are revealed in God's law, and, and we compare that to Joseph's experience, we can see how beautiful the law of the Lord is and how important it is for us to understand. The Lord condemns partiality. The Lord protects the innocent. The Lord treats even guilty people with honor and mercy as justice is carried out. And then we see how much the church, with the wisdom of God and his word, has to offer to the world. May God bless Christians who continue to focus their attention on the principles of justice in our country 
And may his word be used as the foundation for all our treatment of criminals. And you can see, brothers and sisters, a calling here. There's a need in our country for men and women to be involved in the evaluation of the principles of justice. And when God gives instructions about the principles of justice in his law, he does not give the church permission to use corrupt system as an excuse for idleness. Joseph is God's servant. He is the man who illustrates obedience to the law at a time in the history of redemption when the law was not yet given at Sinai. And so we need to think about the importance of chapter 40, verses 6 to 7. You can look at that. 40, verses 6 to 7. And note what's happening. For not only did Joseph obey God by looking at his fellow prisoners' faces when he served them, but he saw that they were troubled. Looked into the face of those he was serving, and he saw that they were troubled. Then he went even further, and he asked them, Why are your faces downcast? And he asked them because he cared. Because he was willing to spend some of his time and his energy on his fellow prisoners. Think about that for a moment. As he's illustrating what the law of the Lord looks like, it, it includes looking others in the face by being concerned about their well-being. Joseph's experience in a prison gave him insight into the needs of his fellow prisoners and his humanity to those who were weighed down with trials and lying under contempt shows us how this compassion brings glory to God. The Holy Spirit urges us to fight against our innate ferocity, which is more and more inflated by prosperity. That's a quote of John Calvin. I couldn't resist putting it in there. How our innate ferocity is more and more inflated by our prosperity. He's saying, treat your fellow human beings with dignity and attention instead of always being focused on your own comfort and your own prosperity. Don't allow your riches to make you more act more like a beast to other people. And then we see that if you don't think it will be possible for you to bring the loving principles of God's law to our justice system, you can still bring the gospel of salvation and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ to those who don't know him. You can look into the faces of those who are suffering. And you can think of some good ministries that are involved with that. There's Redemption and Cornerstone Christian Prison Ministries. As we're thinking of that broad calling, Galatians 6 verse 10 also says, As we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone. And then it continues. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. The reason that Joseph's fellow prisoners had the opportunity of seeing his compassion is because God 
was coming through the door of that prison to comfort Joseph, his adopted child. God saw Joseph separated from his family in confinement. And we can imagine how comforting it would have been for Joseph when he heard that his fellow prisoners had some dreams on the same night. He, he could see the handiwork of God. He could see that God was there with him. And so the Lord in his word came beside Joseph to comfort him. And then the dreams were fulfilled, just like Joseph had said. It was like the, the voice of God was telling Joseph right there in the prison that he was with him. Even though things looked pretty bad for Joseph, who was out of sight and, and forgotten in a pit in the household of, that he used to serve, up above him there, everybody was doing all the stuff that he used to do, and here he was, abandoned in a pit. He could hear the comforting voice of his heavenly Father. The Lord did not consider it below him to be associated with, with Joseph to be known as Joseph's God. That is what our God is like. He is a God who associates with his children who are oppressed and trampled upon by society for their faith. He even sent his own son from the glory of heaven to experience injustice and rejection so that when those who are Imprisoned, imprisoned and persecuted for their faith that they may know that their Lord understands when they call out to him. The Lord continues to care for those who are in prison for their faith by calling the church to action. We continue to represent our heavenly God in the way that we live our lives. And the Lord Jesus reminds us that when we visit one of the least of his brothers in prison to encourage and bless them in their trials and their faith that, that their faith brought to them, he says, then we did it for him. Do you know that today still Christians are being put in prison because of their faith? Children, did you know the suffering and the persecution that Believers are experiencing because they say they believe in Jesus Christ? Do you ever think about them? And although we don't know anyone personally in this city who is in prison, who is incarcerated because of their faith, and I might want to add yet, a quick check on the internet will help you find information on how many Christians are imprisoned only because of their faith. There are different ways to, to give assistance. And that principle of Matthew 25, it's also shown to us so clearly in those little verses of Genesis 40 that can be included to include Christian refugees as well. We should be sure not to let our peace and our security and our prosperity hinder us from seeing the many around us who suffer for their faith. Speaking about Christians in the body of Christ who are suffering, the Holy Spirit says, and we read that in Hebrews 13, verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison 
with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. The Lord comes through the doors of the prison to stand beside to encourage his children who are there for their faith. It's good to see we have a God who is so compassionate. He can open the doors to deliverance, but we see that sometimes he closes that door. The theme of the sermon this morning is that God can open the door for deliverance. But as we say this, we recognize that he may not always do that when we want him to, or perhaps when we expect him to, because it would be the perfect moment. It was all set up. And when we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, we can see how easy it would have been to to, to prescribe to God the moment when God should help him. Lord, look at this golden opportunity. You open the door so I'm serving this, this nobility. I could show the, your wisdom. They could see the glory of your holiness through me. And you know, Lord, that, that I had been obedient you know, Lord, that I was confident in you. Joseph had risen from the ashes like a phoenix. He remained firm and steadfast in trials. He was recognized by those around him as a trustworthy man. Wouldn't this escape, wouldn't this recommendation to Pharaoh be the perfect way to get out? And Joseph obeyed the call of the Lord to love his God and to love his neighbor as himself. And as he faithfully did the next step, it looked like the Lord had given him a golden opportunity to get out. It looked like God's hand was, was guiding everything, bringing him to this moment. And that's the definition of blessing, right? The Lord makes everything we do succeed. That's what I read in the end of Genesis 39. And everything works out the way we want it to. That's what blessing is, right? Doesn't blessing mean that if we see a great opportunity for a good thing to happen and then pray to God and just ask him, then he will give it to us just like we expected? Isn't that blessing? If that is what you think blessing means, then I'm afraid that Genesis 40, verse 23, will be a very disappointing verse for you to read. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It almost seems like the exact opposite of Genesis 39, verse 23. Until you realize, until you realize that disappointments and setbacks and testing and dashed hopes and closed doors can be a part of God's blessing. 
God revealed to Joseph that he was the sovereign Lord. And that no one should presume to know what is best for themselves. Although God could have delivered the the holy man directly from prison through that open door we were looking at, he chose to lead him down a much longer path. Whatever Joseph may have learnt from this for himself, whether it was patience or submission or endurance, the Bible doesn't say. But we do learn about God from this. For when we look into the next chapter, we see that even this closed door was a part of his plan. God would give him a deliverance that would make any expectation of mere freedom from the prison based on the memory of a cupbearer, well, God would make that look like a pitiful thing compared to his plan. When you are in that situation, brothers and sisters, when you have suffered so many disappointments, one after the other, that you cannot imagine that you could ever have the strength to face another. Remember that God can open the door for deliverance, but he can also close the door for deliverance. Close doors to bring you to deliverance. His wisdom is unfathomable. His ways are wonderful and hidden from our eyes. His purpose is glorious. His love is complete. And we trust him completely. Because our God can control what happens in the courts. In the highest powers of the land. The nighttime dreams of the most important people. God can open the doors of deliverance as surely as he can speak comforting words to his children who are placed in prisons for their faith. And he can reveal his justice and his mercy to criminals. God can make everything well for you right now. But he can also close a door for you because it is not his time. And you know what? He's making everything well for you at this time, even when he closes a door. This does not mean he has forgotten you, but this means that he is blessing you in a different way than you were expecting. Hebrews 13, verses 5b to 6, it reminds us, he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen.